And this may surprise some people. The 4th of July is like around the corner. The rodeo is, is, is just about here. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I will say in, in Crawford, it's a little bit different than maybe it was in Kentucky. This time of year, I mean, we get, uh, I was thinking about this, and my wife's family, she's got a little bit of people with necks that got a little bit of pink, almost red in them. Um, that would be her brothers and stuff. You know, I love them. Anyway, uh, there was this thing, or one brother, Brett, whenever we did something that just screamed freedom, He'd say, America, you know, and so we'd be outside and, you know, you blow something up and you just scream, America, you know, don't know really what it means except for, yeah, I get to do this because of where I'm at. I get to shoot guns or whatever. And so sometimes at the 4th of July, my kids will be on on the trailer and, and I'll hear him go, America, you know, just because it means we're free. I mean, we got our flags up. We're getting ready for the rodeo. We're getting ready for parades, all these things. And we're celebrating our independence. Now, who remembers when we didn't have independence? Like, literally, there used to be a country that was in charge of us, and, and there was this Boston Tea Party. And, and because of that, they, they, they enacted these intolerable acts is the way they described it. And so the United States or the people, the colonies, decided they wanted to be free from the control of England, we fought this war and, and we attained our freedom. I mean, when was the last time anyone in this room looked at the Queen of England and shuddered at her control in your life? We don't, we don't, we lose sight of, of what independence, what are we independent from? But, but I know from life that independence, it seems to be the goal, right? I mean, as a nation, we arrived. When we became independent, that's, that's what we celebrate, that we became mature. As a parent, I'm raising kids. For what reason? To love God, yes. I'm not raising them to stay in my house. I'm raising them that they would be independent. A few years ago, our church went through a process. We'd been a, a, a church that was overseen by the district, and, and we celebrated ourselves because we became this word, sovereign. We were self-governing. We got to do what we wanted to do. That was the goal. That was the measure. That was what we, we attained for. The Assemblies of God, a voluntary cooperative fellowship of sovereign churches. It's interesting. Because culturally, socially, politically, everything that we have we're geared towards independence. Independence is a sign of maturity. Independence is a sign that, that, that we've made it, that we've accomplished something. But it's interesting because we're a part of the kingdom of God. And a lot of times in his kingdom, things don't look like they do in our world. Praise God. <laughs> And, and he sets a different measure for us than the world sets. He sets a different standard for those in the body that, that, that the world has set. And I believe that for us, that for the church, that for, for children of God at times, this is an extremely hard concept. 
It's extremely challenging for us. I'm going to read a verse. It's going to be in Matthew 18. I'm going to pray before I read it. And I just want to talk about a kingdom principle today for us to celebrate. God, I pray for your presence. Spirit, I ask for your anointing. That in this place, your will would be accomplished. We pray, God, for the words that we will read, for the words that will be heard, for the words that will be spoken, that you speak to us through them. Help us to hear from you. We yield ourselves to you that your will would be accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 18, I said, sometimes in the kingdom it looks different. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, remember the disciples, this was something they asked him a lot. Like, can I be the best? Who's the best? Who's the best? Who do you love the most? Who's going to get to sit next to you? Can my son sit next to you in heaven? I mean, we had moms do it. I mean, really, this was, this was the struggle that Jesus had with his disciples. They wanted to know who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. I I, I tell you what, these verses mean a whole lot more to me today than they did about 11 years ago. When Jesus brought a child up and he said, whoever takes the lowly position of a child. When I became a parent, I suddenly realized what dependence truly is. Like before I had kids, I wasn't sure what dependence was. I'd been on my own. I lived on my own, took care of myself. Things were fine. I could do what I wanted when I wanted. I didn't have to worry about this. Suddenly this being came into my life that required me or my wife's attention at all times. If they were hungry, they wanted my attention. If they were tired, they wanted our attention. If they were dirty, they wanted our attention. If they were happy, they wanted our attention. Suddenly, I learned what dependence truly looked like. Like if we weren't there for my kids, what happened? They would die. Like, I mean... They hand you this kid in the hospital. I remember that. When we got Avery, we were getting ready to leave the hospital. We got to stay for a little while because Tam had to have a surgery and, and it just took a little longer. And I remember when they sent us home, like they checked the, I mean, they were worried about whether I knew how to put a car seat in. Uh, but what about the rest? I mean, seriously, the car seat was the least of my worries. Suddenly, this child, that could not live without her parents. That's, that's dependence. And his disciples bring him before Jesus. And he said, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus brings a child. I believe what, what he's saying is that in the kingdom, we need to celebrate our dependence. 
the lowly position of a child. Yeah, I recognize cultural standards. It was a lot different than it is today. But the reality that I believe Jesus is demonstrating is that, that in the kingdom of God, we must be wholly dependent on him. I'm telling you that we don't celebrate dependence in the church today. There's a lot of places where we can do things and we can have things and we can play good songs and we can, we can do good videos and we can, we can do this whole church thing and we forget about the necessity of the presence of God in what we're accomplishing. I'm not pointing at a church, but I'll point at some churches where I wonder, is there any need for God in what you're doing? <laughs> I mean, we got to a place where we can do this stuff good enough. There's churches that are, that are, that are like atheist churches that they meet and someone, they, they sing songs together. I don't know what songs they sing. They sing songs. Someone gives up and they give a talk that feels really good. People go and they, and they go on their way. I mean, it looks just like what we're doing every day in churches all across the world. <laughs> I think at times, it's hard for us to admit that we need. And what wasn't the way I was raised? I'm supposed to stand on my own. You know, my mom, the other day, she, she, she was talking to me. I don't know if anybody's got a mom like this, but I don't know what came up. And something came up about something that was going on in our lives. Well, I can send you money. Mom, I don't need you anymore. You know what I mean? Like... You raised me to be independent. Let me, you don't, don't you dare. They come to my house and try and buy groceries. Uh-uh. It's my house. I'm buying the groceries now. I'm not dependent on you anymore. I'll do this. Like we got this in us that, 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 and I think it's good. But I think it infringes on the kingdom. I think it's something that if we're not honest about it, it becomes a part of our kingdom living as well. Do you know what I'm saying? I I remember there was a point in my in my ministry where I said, I, I can do this. Like I can do this. Like not I can do this with him, but I can do this. You know, we like we like that verse in Philippians that says, I can do all things. Let's just stop there. Do you know what I mean? Like I can do it. I can come up with a good sermon. I can make kids laugh. It was used when I was in youth ministry. I can mail this baby in and we can get through this evening. I mean I I just got to a place where, where I, I I was like, I can do all this. I'm smart enough. I mean, these are, these are high school kids and junior high kids. How smart do you got to be to teach them? Right, Ryan? Oh, man. Vogels just got mad at me. I got to that place in my life, and, and I looked at myself, and I realized, man, I can, I can do this. But everything I was doing was because I could. And what I realized in that season of my life was that my dependence had disappeared. 
I'll tell you what, we're fat Americans. Excuse my candor. We got everything we want when we need it. We can take care of ourselves. We can do what we need. We have what we want. We have more than we need. We struggle with the thought of being dependent. You know, and the reality that we're promised is that in the kingdom and in the life that we're living in this world is that there'll be times where we have need. Sorry, I skipped a verse that I was going to read. John chapter 15, the idea of dependence. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, I tell you, the American in me, the mature man in me says, apart from you, I can do whatever I want. He says, here's what I need you to learn. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you take the vine or the branches away from the vine, what happens to them? They die and they can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, for you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The picture he had is that you will need him. We need the Lord. And I think if I say that question, who here needs the Lord, most of us are going to raise our hands, right? I mean, let's just be honest, we're good church people. We know when to raise our hands. When pastor asks a question, we say Jesus. But the question that I want you to wrestle through this morning, the question that I believe that God wants us to really ask ourselves is, do I truly need the Lord? Because I don't know that we recognize that need. I don't know that we live in that dependence. I don't know that as we carry ourselves that that's something that we really think about because, man, we just go through life. This may surprise some. This is not the right verse, so just ignore Romans 12. It's not the right verse. I think it's John 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You know, that's the reality of of the life in which we live. I guess I better get that off of there so I don't have people taking notes on Romans 12, 1 and 2. You know, sometimes there's the reality that in this life, we're going to have trials. In, in, In what pastor has experienced, that's because I've been around people, is that oftentimes when the trials come, I engage. When the trial comes, it's, it's me that I trust in first. That's what I would say the tradition or the, 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 uh, what the consensus among people is that in the midst of a trial, I engage. So what kind of trials will there be? He says some of us will have storms. The day came when, when the evening came. He said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall come up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. In this world, you're going to have trials. Sometimes there's storms and sometimes there's mountains. Those are the really tall things. They're not buttes. 
He replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say uh, to this mountain. There's the reality that in this life we're going to have trials. We're going to have storms. There's going to be mountains that stand before us. What do the mountains do? They stand in the way of where we're trying to go. There are these big obstacles that we're not sure how to get around. There's, there's the reality that we all struggle with the trial of sin in our lives. For all have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. There's the trials of sickness that we deal with. At sunset, people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Some of us, we deal with hurts in this world. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely seek all kinds of evil against you because of me. There's weakness. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults and persecutions and difficulties, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. There's worries. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, or what you'll wear is life, a lot more than food and body, more than food. And there's, there's death, the reality of death. The wages of sin is death. You know, we all face these things. We face storms. We face mountains. We face sin. We face sickness. We face trials. We face persecution. We face hurts. We face death. And I wonder how many times we try to face the giant in ourselves. We stand before the giant of sin and we say that I'm going to do something about this, right? So we get the self-help books and, and we read how to correct ourselves and we convince ourselves that if I just change me, if I just change the patterns of myself, that suddenly I can deal with this thing before me. That mountain's there. So we start picking up the path to get up the mountain. The storm's there. We start figuring out the path to avoid the storm. I remember one time, I'm talking about Tam's brothers, America, right? We got to ride in my brother's boat out in the Gulf. And there was a storm coming. Now, I've been on a boat with Walt, maybe at pier or something, where there's a storm coming. I'll tell you what, when you're on a golf and there's a storm coming, I mean, you're looking for the closest way to shore possible. It didn't matter that the dock was like 10 miles from where we took off. It was the closest way to shore. So, I mean, literally, I was praying to Jesus because I thought we were going to die. I mean, isn't that what we do? The storms come, we try to figure out our way out. The mountain, it's too big. There's snow on top. My feet get cold. You know, the sin, well, I I can get over this. It's not that big of a deal. Let me just keep it in the dark. I'll I'll read a book on it and everything will be fine. The persecutions, I'll just say whatever you want. I'll knock you out. The worries, if I can just think about it enough, I'll come up with the right solution. Why do we think that we, why do I think that I, 
That it's in me, the, the storm, right? the sin, the, the ability, the, the confidence. The reality is, he says, it's in the book of Romans, we were once slave to sin, but now we're, we're slaves to righteousness. Like, my righteousness is like filthy rags, he says to him, but I think that in some ways I can do enough. The reality is, the kingdom of God says he wants us to become like kids. What does your kid do when there's thunder? Mine just must be weird. My kids find mom and dad. They don't realize that I can't do anything about that thunder. But they're dependent on me. And so they come close to me in the midst of the storm. When they're scared. You know, when when your when your brother says something mean, do you know what my kids do? They come to their father or their mother. <laughs> When there's an obstacle. I remember one time I was preaching a sermon on dependence. It was one of the first sermons I preached. It was at a church in, in northern Kentucky. I was a high school student then. And I was preaching a story on dependence. And I had a little toy car. And I was sitting. And the steps looked different. But there were steps in the front of the church. And I broke that car on purpose. And I handed it to my dad. And my dad fixed the car. He came to church that Sunday. He didn't normally come to church. But I knew my dad could do it. And so when there was brokenness, I just gave it to Dad so he could fix it for me. I didn't spend 15 minutes in front of the church trying to put it back together when I didn't know how because I knew that my dad could do it for me. Yeah, in this world we'll have trouble. But we have one we can trust in. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. See, we've got to recognize the one who is in us. And he's not talking about you that's in you. He's talking about him that's in you. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is, is the one who is in me. There is a source within us that we can draw from if we simply trust the source And we go around facing storms and we go around chasing mountains and we go around screaming and worries and anxiousness and all these things. And the source, I believe, is within us. What did he say to the storms? He, that's Jesus, got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The wind died down and was completely calm. Mountains, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Sin, because of, uh, through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For sickness, he forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. For hurts, 
He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up the wound. For weakness, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. For worries, my God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. For death, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. He will remove people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Today. You know, next Monday, set your fireworks off. Scream America. I hope everyone here gives a good old belly America this year at some point. Celebrate your independence. You know, today we've come to this church and, and it's a day that we've set aside to come to the table. And I hope that as we come to his table, we're not celebrating today our independence, but we're declaring today our dependence. That as we spend time looking at this, remember what this is. It's the body and blood. The, the body, Jesus Christ said, I'm the bread of what? Huh? Do we really need him? <laughs> He's got life for you. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Some of us aren't living with full life. Well, we're trying to make life full. Our life is full of stuff. But most of that stuff really doesn't fulfill ourselves. Most of that stuff doesn't get us what we need. Jesus Christ said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I can promise you this day, you will not find abundant life. You will not find full life anywhere but the one who came for you. You will not find full life in any other place, in any other circumstance than the cross of Jesus Christ. We can try. You have a cup. The cup of the new covenant that was offered for us. That cup is the place in which I have forgiveness. Why? Because that cup represents the very blood of Jesus Christ. You can do whatever you want, but what you do isn't enough to bring forgiveness for sin in your life. I don't care how many good things you've done. I don't care how many good things you'll continue to do. You can't have forgiveness apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. You can try. I remember high school, Mr. Kemper, world history class. I remember a guy sitting there and we were talking about heaven and hell. We were talking about eternity. And this guy, he was a good guy. I mean, he would give you the shirt off his back. Good guy. And we started talking about forgiveness. And he tried to tell me that he's done enough good things that that God would have a place for him in heaven. And I remember wrestling with this very reality as a junior in high school, trying to convince a senior in high school, because seniors were smarter than juniors. But he said, I'm enough. I stand before everyone in this room today and say that I'm not enough. As your pastor, I'm not enough. As a father, I'm not enough. 
as a husband, I'm not enough. And if I try to be the pastor apart from him, if I try to be the father apart from him, if I try to be the husband apart from him, I'm not enough. And you know what? I get frustrated. Because I see those moments in my life. I hope I'm not the only one that struggles with at times running ahead of God or doing things my way rather than trusting him in his way. Have you ever had that conversation with God where God said to do something and you said, but wait. Let me tell you how this will work better. Have you ever had those times where, where things are just so busy you don't have time to stop? You don't have time to slow down? You don't have time to lean in? You don't have time to listen? God, talk to me while I'm doing this. Talk to me while I'm correcting my kids. Because I can hear correction really well while I'm correcting my kids. I'm, I'm not enough. And as clear as I can say it, you're not enough. You're not enough. Second Corinthians chapter 1. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired life and self. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Oh, if we could live verse 9 without verse 8. Huh? I don't want the trials of the province of Asia. <laughs> I want to learn it before people are trying to, to stone me or, or kill me or, or kick me out or pursue me. We've been reading in Acts and, and what all Paul has endured, the lashes, the whippings. What if I could learn it today? What if I could figure out a way that I could just rely on him rather than trusting in me? My life verse from the time I got saved. This is the verse. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, and I'll read verse 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. I think it says something different behind me because that wasn't the translation I learned. Why is it so hard to be dependent on him? You guys can come forward. Why is it so hard for us to really to really trust. So in just a moment they're gonna they're gonna lead us in a in a song of worship. I'm gonna ask that, that we can get the elements passed out. But but as we celebrate today, you know I talk about celebrating communion. So today as we're here, we're celebrating our dependence. As you hold that cup, as you hold that, that, that bread in your hand, as they lead us in worship, I want you to ask yourself, do I truly need Him?
And maybe in your life there's been storms and, and maybe in your life there's been, there's been mountains and maybe in your lives there are worries and maybe there is sin or, or maybe there is stuff that you've been trying to do in yourself. He said, I've set a table for you this day. He said, do this, what we're doing, in remembrance of Him. Why am I remembering Him? I'm remembering Him because I need Him. And today may not be fireworks. It may not be America. But today, I need Him. But today, in that area, and I want I want communion today to be an act of acknowledging him you know whether it was the mountains or you know the areas of self you know the places in you where you're not wholly trusting him today as we take the body the bread of life our life my life being everything that i am has to come through him today as i drink the cup every promise that god has for me as a child of god has to come through him i know the pieces of me i know the places where i try I know the ways in which I've been doing it my way. And today we're saying, not me, but you. Not the way I want, but however you desire. Because I'm not enough. I need you. I need you. I need the very bread of life. I need water, living water in me. I'm going to ask you guys, you can go ahead and lead us. This, uh, take a moment. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Today we celebrate dependence. And Holy Spirit, we need you. And as we hold this cup and as we hold this bread, I pray you begin to speak to us. You know those those things. that sin that we said I'm good enough I can get through this just let me do it my way you know the mountain God that has been before us that we've practically worn ourselves out trying to overcome God, you know the worries that keep us up at night.
storms that threaten. God, you know the the hurts, the words, the persecution. It went deep. We've just been trying to suck it up and and move on. We've been trying to just say that that's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a wound. I can get through this. I can do all this. God, I can be a good dad. I can be a good pastor. God, I can can be a good me. I pray you speak to us those moments. And God, that as we spend time at your table, we celebrate our dependence, but says, no, God, I can't do all this. I can only do it through you who strengthens me. I need you. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your strength. I need your healing. I need your peace. I need your love. I need your voice. I need your help. I need you, God. Because you said, you've met our needs. You'll meet our needs. It's in you. I was just thinking, you know, as a father, I talked about, I want to meet my kids' needs. We're in this interesting stage with some of my kids, and maybe parents, you can relate to this, where you got a kid who wants something, but they won't say what they want, but they know, they make you know that they want something, but, but, but they're just going to act like you should know what they want without ever asking you what they want. You know, my kid acts that way. I don't want to give them what they want. You know, this morning, I feel compelled to say, ask the Father for what you want. It's okay to ask Him for what you want. It's okay to ask Him for what you need. It's okay to ask Him for what you desire. We got a God who loves us. He loves us abundantly. He gave us Jesus Christ so that we could speak to Him today. The fullness of His blessings, the fullness of His promise, the cup of the new covenant. Why not ask? reason, but I hear my kids better when I speak. Sometimes we got to use our words to ask. I'm going to have them sing a little bit so there's a little bit of noise in the background so you're not worried if, if Mike's listening to you or not. But I'm going to encourage you as they sing this, 
this chorus or whatever they're singing, uh, that, that you take a moment to ask. You don't need to sing right now either, but I want you to ask. If you've got a need, ask. I didn't have to teach my kids how to ask. They learned that on their own. It came naturally. And now it's coming unnaturally, right? And then what, isn't that what happens? Like it was natural, but now we don't want to ask anymore. Asking is a sign of trust. Asking is a sign of dependence. It's acknowledging that I, that's me, I don't have this, that I can't do this, that I need your help. I need you in me. And then we'll take communion. So the one who made it all, he heard what you asked. The God who spoke everything that we see into its very being, he heard the cry of your heart this morning. He hears you when you pray. And because he hears, he responds. And when he responds, we receive. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until, until he comes. You proclaim his death. God heard your prayer. He knows your need. Now receive his promise that is ours through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you've heard us when we prayed. We thank you that you've loved us enough that this morning, that in the midst of all, you heard the prayer, the cry of our hearts. You've heard the places of need. And God, we receive your provision. We receive life. We receive forgiveness. We receive promise. We receive peace. We receive hope. We receive joy, assurance. Because of Jesus Christ. Let us partake. rather than America how about a hallelujah hallelujah praise God he knows my need and he's met me in my need praise God for Jesus Christ praise God for my place in his kingdom praise God that I can trust him Praise God that I can know Him. Praise God that He is faithful even when I get in His way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm dependent. I need you, God. Hallelujah. I celebrate my dependence. Amen.
The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you. And may you depend on his everything. They're going to sing a song because Carrie's got the piano going. You can stay in here and worship if you want. If you want to say hallelujah a little bit more, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, But be blessed either way, whatever you choose.